I realized last year that it just wasn't who I was anymore and I wanted to focus more on cycling and just getting outside and making sure my family had a really healthy outlook on living and and getting outside and being active and it wasn't just bikes, 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 bikes. Hey, what's up? This is Kat. Welcome to the Joyride. Hey, what's up, Joyriders? This is Kat, and you're listening to episode number 22 of the Joyride podcast, where we celebrate women on bikes. On today's episode, I'm going to chat with the Arlie, formerly known as Bike Shop Girl, Arlie Jenkins. We're going to chat about raising a strong daughter, her transition away from the blog to something bigger, and of course, where it all started. If you're listening on a mobile device, you can probably just tap on the screen, my goofy face there to get the show notes. Otherwise, you can find those at girleatsbike.com forward slash joyride 022. Joyriders, before we meet Arlie, whose name my computer keeps autocorrecting to rally, um, one or two other bits of news. If you're listening to this in semi real time, or frankly, anytime before March 27th, 2017, you, yes, you, need to check out the Ovarian Psychos documentary. The Ovarian Psychos documentary is being aired on PBS on March 27th. My wife and I saw this film here in Portland when it was screened at the Clinton Theater, and let me tell you, it is an absolute must. It's a film about women of color in East LA who confront injustice and build community through their bicycle crew, the Ovarian Psychos. They call themselves Ovas, they are Latina, they are diverse, they are beautiful, they are fierce, they are a force to be reckoned with, um, and I, I'm not cool enough, but they're it, definitely, you need to catch a glimpse into this world. It's, um, it's really fantastic, really inspiring. Uh, you can take a look at the show notes. I think the trailer should be in there, um, but there's links to the PBS March 27th airing or whatever to help you set your VCR or whatever you crazy kids are doing these days. All right. In other news, if you're here in the Portland area, I myself, yours truly, I'm going to be hosting a bike camping overnight at the end of June with Women Bike PDX. Um, You may remember we did something like this with a friend of the show, Molly, last year. Um, It's been about a year now since this podcast thing got started and and all this stuff. I'm going to link up Molly's show in the notes so you can check that out. But we're going to be doing something very similar to that, um, a bike camping overnight here in the Portland area for women, um, inclusive women identified folks. Um, And that'll be at the end of June. This is meant to, uh, Women Bike PDX is an inclusive group that's meant to bridge the gender gap in Portland that does operate through the Street Trust, which is formerly BTA, Bicycle Transportation Alliance. I'm super proud to be one of the Women Bike Program role models. Role models are a peer mentoring group that's meant to help get more women on bikes. So if you're a gal or gal identified in the Portland area, you wanna try on bike commuting, maybe you wanna run errands, you need some help figuring out how to carry your stuff. Maybe you're in the market for a new ride and you need someone to be your wing woman or whatever when you go out shopping. 
Um, it's that, any kind of that type of peer support stuff is what the Women Bike PDX Role Models program is all about. So if you have any questions about the camping event that's happening here in Portland at the end of June, or you want to connect with me as one of these role models, uh, any questions or comments, of course, email me at thejoyridepodcast at gmail, or check out the link in the show notes for more details about that program. Another thing, Joyriders, friend of the show, Julie Brooks, who we heard from very, very recently, has put out an invitation to start working on the next volume of Pedal by Pedal. Um, that Pedal by Pedal zine invite is up on Wheel Women Switchboard, as she promised. So go check that out. Get involved. Link in the show notes for you to sniff around. Also, do you know of a gal you'd like to hear on the show? I would love it if you'd nominate a friend or yourself to be a guest at bit.ly forward slash joyride guest. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash joyride guest. I would love to hear from you build this big, beautiful, vibrant community. Again, bit.ly forward slash joyride guest or tap the screen on your mobile device for the show notes. Maybe. Friends, I'm excited to finally introduce our guest, Arlie Jenkins. Uh, Arlie has been all over the bike industry from several different angles. She has managed shops, been a professional race mechanic. She has been involved in sales and marketing at the brand level, and she's raced her bike all over the country. Not only that, but Arlie has spent the past 10 years empowering women through stories, reviews, and videos on her blog, Bike Shop Girl, which is how I know her. You'll, I think I gush about that at some point in here. Arlie's now over at bikelaw.com, and she is doing a more inclusive, badass, empowering type thing at arlie.co. Everything's going to be linked up, but you do spell that A-R-L-E-I-G-H dot co. By the way, I was so starstruck uh, that I totally spaced out on officially congratulating Arlie and her wife on their recent marriage. Congrats, fam. Love wins. All right, Joyriders, now is the time. Without further ado, let's meet Arlie Jenkins. Arlie Jenkins, welcome to the Joyride. I'm so excited to be here. Dude, I am so excited that you're here because um, as we were just talking a moment ago, I've been following your blog exploits for, for years now, for years and years, and you've recently shifted over to doing something else, which we're going to talk about, but where, where in the world are you? Well, I'm currently sitting in Denver, Colorado. I moved here about four years ago from East Coast. It's snowing outside, so I just bought a fat bike. <laughs> That's how I'm dealing with Colorado. That sounds like a good plan. We got some snow here in Portland, Oregon a couple weeks ago, and, and I thought to myself, well, this is, uh, if the climate is shifting and we're going to have to deal with snow more, then I might need to get a fat bike. That's kind of cool. You should do it. You uh, just yeah. plow over everything. Yeah, right? That sounds like a blast. So where on the East Coast were you? All over. I grew up in Maryland. I spent the last, I spent eight years in Charlotte, North Carolina. It was far enough from the ocean, far enough from the mountains that I could get to either within two hours. So I, I enjoyed Charlotte, North Carolina. It wasn't as liberal as my family needed. And we have found our place in Colorado, at least for now. We were actually uh, just talking about Portland this morning <laughs> that we might need to visit. 
Yeah, I think it's definitely, this is definitely a town to visit for sure. I would recommend it sometime during, you know, sometime between like May and October. Um, unless anybody is interested in moving here. And then come here in the dead of winter and spend two weeks here and see if you're still interested. Um, but otherwise, it's it's really fantastic. So, you know, definitely uh, you, you would have lots of friends out here to show you a lot of bikey things if you came out for a visit. I might not come back. <laughs> it's uh, th- this is this is a thing that happens sometimes. Um, so where did you where did you grow up and like learn how to ride a bike? Can you tell me a little bit about that like foundational experience for you? Yeah. So on the interwebs, I like to call myself uh, the artist formerly known as Bike Shop Girl because earlier this year I shut down BikeShopGirl.com and really just taking the voice of Arlie, which is myself. So I. I actually started working in a bike shop when I was 14 or 15 because I was getting lots of flats and breaking lots of parts, and my mom told me to go get a job to pay for it. So I got a job at a bike shop. So I started learning about bikes and everything probably at the age of 11 or 12. Just It was my way of getting around town. I lived in Annapolis, Maryland, and single mom and she wasn't home so I had to get from point A to point B and the bike was the easiest way and then let's see fast forwarding I started racing after working in the bike shop and um, I guess the last the rest is really history you know I, I raced since the time I was 16 on and off even now you know I'm gonna have to put the age of 33 on my USA cycling license this year and it's really my community it's where I find comfort, where I find friends. When I'm traveling, it's easy to find my people through cycling, and that's why I've always stuck with it. So where was the actual starting point? Like, what was the seed for you to start the blog Bike Shop Girl? So I've always blogged. You know, way back in high school, it wasn't called blogging. It was um, me updating an HTML file every day, just journaling. So for a while, I actually wrote and then owned commutebybike.com, and I was hit by a car and had to sell off Commute by Bike. But around that time, I think it was 2007, 2008, I was working in a bike shop, and a woman came in for a bike fit, and I was one of many bike fitters. I was managing our main location, and I was the only female bike fitter, so she had requested me, and we get into the bike fit and I learned she's already had a bike fit. She's had this bike for about six months. And she's telling me that she's numb. I'll repeat myself. She's telling me that she's numb in places you shouldn't be numb. And her riding partners were all men and they said, oh, you'll get used to it. Don't worry about it. And all these alarms are going off in my head. You know, what are you talking about? Your female part should always have sensations you need to go to the doctor not be getting a bike fit and that's when I realized even in a very female-centric shop you know 50% of our customers were women the information wasn't getting out you know the the information that you don't wear underwear under your shorts you know that a bike should be comfortable um, what a bike fit should be how to change a flat all these questions that the women were intimidated to ask even the most friendly guys I could have on staff so that's where bike shop girl started where just I was answering questions 
that were very common. You know, just what do I wear? How do I fix this? And then it got into bike reviews because about eight, nine years ago, or maybe a little bit less actually, is when women's specific gear started popping up. You know, Bontrager saddles, women's bikes that actually fit women better and not just a men's bike painted pink. So I started reviewing gear and for a long time I was the only woman on the scene, you know, that wasn't under a bigger media house like Bicycling Magazine. And that's really where eight years took me. And in that eight years, uh, two years ago, I had a daughter and I realized at that point that the bike industry wasn't as forward thinking as I hoped it would have been by now. And it wasn't a place I wanted to raise my daughter, you know, just I had amazing guys on staff at the bike shop I was managing here in Denver, Colorado, but it still was the grungy, you know, bro attitude, you know, and I would go to dealer events, say in Minnesota, there's a big one called Frostbike. A lot of their events are around drinking and, you know, riding fat bikes drunk in the snow. I was like, this isn't for me. This isn't what I want my daughter to grow up to be around and, you know, then I'm also remembering stuff that happened, you know, nothing ever traumatic happened to me in the bike industry, but for example, a shop owner would be watching porn, you know, and I would walk up and they would close it, you know? So it was like, this isn't something I want my daughter to be around. So that's kind of been the the transformation of bike shop girl. You know, I, I realized last year that it just wasn't who I was anymore. And I wanted to focus more on, cycling and just getting outside and making sure my family had a really healthy outlook on living and, and getting outside and being active. And it wasn't just bikes, 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 bikes. So, you know, I have a question regarding women specific. Um, just help me with this because I'm like a first grader. Is there such thing like truly as women specific design if all of us are have, you know, unique lengths of our body and like different shaped this and that here and there like like is there really such thing as women specific design help me with that is like on a first grade level yes at a first grade level at like more of a fourth grade level i would say there more women have long legs and shorter upper body not all women you know if you put my wife and i together she's five six we probably have the same upper body length because she has even upper body to legs and I'm all legs and I'm five ten so in my perfect world you know you would have fits that said long legs and short legs or long top tube short top tube the women specific gets into a few things so it gets into the length of the bike the width of the handlebars, the type of seat. If it's a mountain bike, sometimes it will be tuned for a lighter rider. But my argument is men might need that. You know, I've sold women-specific bikes to men, you know, and they just go for the pale blue or maybe they get a custom-painted one because they have long legs and a shorter upper body. So, yes, there is definitely women's design. I wish it was a little bit more generic, there's some brands out there, uh, Yeti Cycles comes to mind. They took their men's bike and just branded it with the Yeti Betty colors. That's their women's protein. 
and changed up some of the parts. So the cranks are a little bit shorter for the smaller sizes. The suspension's tuned a little bit differently, but the frame itself is exactly the same because they were finding that women weren't interested in a women-specific bike. They just wanted it to look different, and some of the parts just needed to be switched out. I think I went to like sixth grade on there. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's uh, it's helpful because I didn't realize that it was like that far that it, that it was uh, at that level. So yeah, um, it makes sense. Like, so do you think that um, with some of those women specific designs uh, that are also really suitable for men of particular dimensions, do you think that that does a disservice to the community overall? I do, and I mainly feel that way because if you walk into bike shops these days, they understand they need a market to women. You know, they, they've they invested in at least a quarter of their store being for women, and if a woman walks in, that's where they take them. And that's, to me, where the disservice is. And then the other piece is just a lot of people don't understand the nuances of a bike fit, so they just think because you're a woman or because you're a man, you should be on this bike and that's not right first off and second off it's hard to train that you know so if you are a part-time salesperson on the floor of a specialized dealer you haven't gone to fit school you haven't probably been educated so yeah you're gonna take that woman to the bikes you think she will like and sometimes that's that's bad you know I give the example uh, maybe two years ago my wife and I went to pay retail for a mountain bike she wanted a mountain bike and I wanted her to be able to ride them and try them and that's why we went the retail route and we walked in and the sales guy was just pushing hard on what he had in stock and it was women's you know and I kept saying I was like no I know her dimensions I fit her on a road bike can she try a men's medium bike you know and it almost got to the point he was arguing with me I was like okay let's back up let me tell you my credentials since you're not listening. And let's try again. I want to buy a bike from you. Here's the bike. You know, and I ended up emailing the owner who I knew and, you know, he fixed it. He made it, you know, like he talked to the sales staff and they they fixed it. But it's we're limited in how much time and how much energy we can train, you know, the, the bike industry as a whole. There's not a lot of... Um, there's no industry standards, I should say. And because of that, you know, you have limited staff time, you have limited training, and they're going to sell what they know, and that's going to be what's on the floor in front of them. So I think it, the long answer, <laughs> you know, making it a little bit shorter, is it's definitely a disservice. And I think a lot of people get on uncomfortable bikes, don't realize they shouldn't be uncomfortable, and then it just sits, which is sad. Right, or potentially you can ride it uncomfortably and get some sort of a repetitive stress injury that's annoying to try to fix may keep you off the bike even longer. Exactly. In terms of manufacturers who have women-specific products, in your experience, who do you feel like is doing it right? You know, as of 2017, I think most brands are doing it right. Because, you know, they're now focusing more on the lifestyle of cycling and less product. You know, for really up until the last couple of years, it's always been, hey, we have this nicely colored bike for you and you should buy it. 
instead of making it an aspirational, you know, culture where the woman wants to upgrade because she's excited about cycling. You know, there's so there's more lifestyle biking photos with women in it and there's more events and um, tours and things just focused on women. I think I think it was REI that just did a women's I want to call it a camp out. It was called like Odessa. I'll send you a link for the show notes, but it was really neat. They had two events in different parks across the country and it was like a three day camp out and adventure fest for women. You know, and they were really selling just the culture of getting outside. So I think there's brands doing it really well. Um, you know, I would say there's a small brand in Minnesota actually that isn't doing anything for women, but I really like them. It's called uh, Fitwell. And the reason I like them is they talk about different fits of their bike instead of this is the men's fit and this is the women's fit. So you can just kind of measure yourself up and see if one of their bikes would work for you. And then beyond that, you know, there's always the big brands. I like that giant spun off and did their own brand with Liv, you know, because I think it's no longer a giant women's bike model. It's, you know, Liv is the company. You know, I got to tell you, um, I stayed, I didn't even try a giant bike because I didn't want to get on a bike that's a giant on it. Is that, is that crazy? No, is that just like some all. weird is that just like a weird branding thing? Do you think that they figured that out with expensive marketing testing and then decided to come up with live as a result? I hope so. <laughs> I really hope so. What is it? I think it's REI right now that just started importing ghost bikes. And if you are in the cycling culture oh. world, ghost bikes are placed in memorial of somebody that has been killed while riding their bikes on the street. So the fact there's a bike called Ghost Bikes is depressing to me. Yeah, it's, that makes me sad a little bit. Let's, okay, let's go off let's of that. Let's move forward. Let's move forward. <laughs> moving forward. Um, okay, so speaking of moving forward, tell me where the evolution has gone from Bike Shop Girl. Well, tell, me, still... tell me where we're going now. Where am I going now? Where's the GPS pointing me? Yeah, where's your heart GPS compass pointing you, Arlie? <laughs> So I rolled up everything under my name, you know, for a few reasons. One, I didn't feel like I was bike shop girl anymore. I'm a 33-year-old mom not working in a bike shop. And then in the end of 2016, I started running the day-to-day of Bike Law, which is a network of independent lawyers that focus on bicycle crashes. So that's where a lot of my day-to-day energy gets to be put, which is, you know, fighting for the rights of cyclists, which is really rewarding. And then Arlie.co is the new website. And for me, it's just uh, where I am today, you know, and, and I'm okay with that. So if a few days ago, I think it was the night of the inauguration, you know, that's what I wrote about. And I didn't care that I had nothing to do with bikes. You know, if I had written that article on Bike Shop Girl, I probably would have just saved it as a draft. So it was nice just to have an outlet wherever my heart is today. And I ride a lot still. I, I'm looking over at my bike and my trainer, which I spend probably 10 hours a week on. And I ride my daughter to school almost every day that it's not below freezing. And 
I'm riding my bike a lot, but something you said earlier was, you know, it, it's not about reaching for the next goal. You know, um, so many women, I think the quote you said was so many women feel that they're not good enough yet. And for me, that's what I want to take a step back from because as a racer, that's something I always think about like, okay, I'm not good enough yet to race that event or I'm not going to do well enough or I'm not good enough yet to upgrade or buy that new bike or go on a bike tour or something. And, and I think guys might have a different mentality where they just wing it, you know, and, and women need it to be justified. So I'm really focused on that tagline, which is bike more, worry less, or just, I want to get on my bike more. If I feel compelled to write, I write. If not, I'm getting that fix a lot through bike ball. You know, I'm writing articles throughout the week and creating content. And then I don't think my transformation's really complete. You know, I am a content creator and I do want to be helping women. I think there's still a huge gap, um, you know, from equal payout at the pro racing level all the way down to little girls trying to get into riding. I don't think they're being covered enough. So I, I don't know what that next step is. Um, if anybody has feedback, I would love to hear it. I'm going to continue to write. I'm going to continue to make content. I just, have, I guess I'm maybe taking a break without taking a break. A sabbatical. What is it called? Sabbatical? <laughs> I'm taking a sabbatical. Um, and I'm also writing a lot for other publications. So, you know, Bicycle Times, um, you know, working on a podcast and a video for bike law and putting my energy outside of the bike industry. You know, I, I really like that bike law is kind of in the fringes of the bike industry where we help people in the industry, but we're not dealing with the boys club and the industry ugliness that right now a lot of bike shops and a lot of manufacturers are having to deal with. It's interesting that we kind of like brought this back around to talk about the, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not enough yet thing, um, because it, it just smacks so much of imposter syndrome, um, which is something that I think women face in so many different places, specifically their, specifically their careers. Um, this idea that like, you can't go for a job unless you've got 99% of the qualifications. Whereas, uh, typically I think a lot of men and are just like, yeah, I have 60% of that. I can figure it out. I'll figure out the rest. Whereas women are like, no, I've got to I've got to know exactly what this all is because someone's going to find out that I'm not enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what that um that reminds me of that. It's it's just so interesting that we see it in so many different places. Well, definitely as a a mom, you know, that's a huge piece of the first from my understanding, the first 5 years of being a mom is just this imposter slash mom guilt. Like you're either doing it really well and then you don't feel like you're doing it good enough or you feel like you're failing and you have this mom guilt that you're letting down your family, you're letting down your kids, your spouse. So <laughs> to all those moms out there that are also cyclists, you know, kudos to you because it's a double-edged sword where you want to be healthy and, and find happiness in your own exercise and and daily health and you also want to be a good mom which often means I'm on the trainer at nine o'clock at night because that's my available time 
So at what point do you teach, maybe this is such an existential question, but at what point do you teach your daughter the importance of self-care? How, you know, have you thought about that in terms of, you know, yeah, just... my wife and I think about it often, you know, this, um, for 2017, it's a priority of ours. I think she's, our daughter's just about to turn two in March and she's aware of things, you know, she, she picked something up the other day and said she was strong. And I was like, yes, we're doing it right. And, you know, my wife, we have trainers set up next to each other. We both go to Orange Theory Fitness. You know, we, we do different things and we try to call it out when we're doing it, you know, where she'll come see that one of us is riding our bike or she understands when we leave the house to go for a run or something like that, that we're doing it for exercise. And then the other piece, um, which is important to me as a cyclist, is being able to ride safely to and from. She goes to daycare. It's about three miles one way. And it's almost all on bike path. And we picked this spot because of it. You know, and it it was really important for me to be able to ride with her for my own sanity. But also my hope is when she's in preschool, she'll still be at that school and she'll be able to ride herself, maybe not the whole way. You know, there's a couple of sketchy intersections, but at least half the way. And I think my my wife's a pediatrician, so this is very important in her family. And teaching her now that being outside, being active is a requirement in life. Um, I, I hope not until she's in her teens do we have to explain what it does for mental health and obesity and things like that. And we can just monitor it ourselves for now. But I don't think enough people check in with themselves every day you know they're unhappy so they just go get another coffee or an ice cream cone you know instead they could just go for a walk and it would do so much more for your mental health on your three mile to and from daycare like what do you do a trailer does she have a seat like what's that actually (laughs) physically look like we have many options tell me tell me about them (laughs) We have a two-car garage with many bikes in it. So probably at six months, she, I bought a really fancy bullet cargo bike from the fine folks at Splendid Cycles. I have to shout out to them because it could fit her infant carrier. You know, I, at that point, I was a stay-at-home mom, and I needed to get out. <laughs> so we invested in this crazy cargo bike, and that's typically when it's nice out the way we go, and then... We also have a trailer, which is almost required this time of year because it's cold and wet. So I have a fat bike that I'm pulling her trailer that has fat bike tires on it. And that's really how we get to and from school this time of year. Arlie, what's like a favorite bike snack for you? I mean, like pre-ride, during a long ride, or when you're back in recovery? What What do you like to eat? So recovery is chocolate milk been that way since I was in high school um, I tried protein powder and all those things and I found just chocolate milk's easy you can find it anywhere on the ride you know it depends what I'm doing I like hammer products um, like their actual bars I don't use their gels or goos I do my best to eat normal food you know like I'll use scratch labs if I'm going really far and it's hot but Pre-ride, I try not to eat within an hour, and I think I used to eat a Snickers bar before a race. 
and a Snickers bar after the race. But I, I went through a phase that I was super, um, what I want to say, technical with my eating, and now I just eat whatever I have in the house. Peanut butter and jelly, that's a big one for me, too. I like to ride to places to eat. That's the other thing, is I like using my bike to get to the place to eat instead of murdering myself and requiring like a food and a little pouch in my pocket. Arlie, if you could go for a bike ride with anybody anywhere, living or dead, who would it be? Where? Why? What do you got? Did not prepare you for this necessarily. No, no. Let me think. Uh, it, it's very frou-frou, but I'm really looking forward to riding bikes with like my whole family, you know, my daughter's only two. So really excited that first bike ride to school will be like, I made it. Like I have made adulthood. I am an amazing mom. My child just rode their bike to school. That's the ride I'm probably most looking forward to. That's so cool. Do you see any vacation plans with bikes involved? Like where do you see that? Yes and no. So let's see for work. We are all going to Breckenridge, myself and a bunch of lawyers, to, I guess, the end of this month. So there'll be fat biking, and that'll be fun. And then I think we're talking about in May going to North Carolina, and I might do a six-hour mountain bike race when we're there. And beyond that, I'm hoping, you know, fingers crossed, one of us will be pregnant in the next year. So we're questioning, like, booking travel too far in the future but i will say if i had a week off and you told me to go ride my bike somewhere i would go ride the blue ridge parkway that's that is my happiness place on a bike and then mountain biking in pisgah every other day that's where i would go the pisgah forest yes i just i had to look that up for something for work so i'm like oh i know where that is isn't that exciting that's pretty cool Yes, probably some of the best mountain biking I've ever done. I haven't gone to the Northwest, but out of Colorado and everything east, you know, Pisgah and the area outside of Brevard is amazing. I am not a mountain biker. Um, the technical stuff scares the life out of me. Do you, any any ideas, tips for someone who is interested in starting mountain biking but is um, afraid to approach some of the technical pieces of it realize it's okay to walk <laughs> you know I think mountain biking is thrilling you know you don't have to deal with cars it's you against the mountain and there's some trails that are really just hiking trails in Denver, we have one called Green Mountain, and that's where I always send people. There's a decent climb, but if you're a good cyclist or if you just know how to shift gears, you'll be fine. But I think a lot of people take shame out of walking, you know, and I don't, if you're out enjoying the day and you get to ride your bike, it's okay if you have to walk. And that's how I feel about technical sections, especially if you're just new, one, and two, if you're with somebody that's not a good coach or teacher don't try it you know it's not really worth it but if there's good coaches and teachers around you know trust them more than you trust yourself uh there's actually a uh, mountain bike clinic all over the mountain states 
called Vita. I'll send you a link. And that's where I would start. You know, if if you, you know, did some gravel rides or some really basic beginner rides, there's now a lot of women's only mountain bike clinics. And I think, you know, they're between 75 and 300 for the weekend. But you're getting to hang out with all these badass chicks learning how to properly mountain bike. You know, and nobody's mansplaining to you. You don't have to worry about holding up the group ride or anything like that. So I would, that's the second place. That's what I'm doing this summer, actually. Again, I was a decent mountain biker in North Carolina, and I moved out to Colorado. And we have these, like, cliffs that go down, like, thousands of feet when you're mountain biking that ter- terrified the living shit out of me. It's like, I have a child. I have to be responsible. I can't break anything. So I plan on doing a couple of those VITA clinics, you know, just to learn and also just to regain some of that confidence because if you haven't mountain biked in a while it's a lot like skiing or any other technical you know high prone injury (laughs) sport um you know you don't want to like just start out all over again and injure yourself so my tip for you would be to find a good friend that you trust and just find flat dirt and just enjoy being out in the woods and once you do that enough you're hooked right so if you have to walk the technical section that's fine you know, you're not being paid to do it. Is there, is it true or what do you think about this? Like if you go faster over some technical things that that is better than trying to slow down and go slow and while you're rolling over some of the beginner stuff, is that, is that true or not, not that so is much? true. The only time I would say that's not true is on a teeter totter, but everything else that is completely true. Just roll that shit over. What a metaphor for life, too. <laughs> don't yeah, don't good. take your foot off of the pedal. Just keep going. Yeah, you know, and I encourage a lot of first-time mountain bikers to start with platform pedals. But once you are okay, the thing about clip-in pedals is it makes you commit to things and not put your foot down. You know, so that's one benefit of going clipless before you're ready. I think we're going to leave that there in terms of clipless <laughs> pedals. Clipless, I think clipless is on my is uh on my my list of things to try to deal with in the real world outside this year. So, let's just Yes. It sounds like you should have a trip to Colorado. That's what I hear. Yeah, actually that's been suggested to me that I need a trip to Colorado. And you know, uh I think that sounds like a good idea. Why not? Yeah. So we have good co-working spaces and um, <laughs> what else? Coffee? What else do you need? Bikes? We oh, have I got things. yeah. I think and you know it's funny. I've actually I've never been to Colorado, so gotta give that a try. Arlie, do you have anything that you would like to promote? Uh, anything that you're excited about that's upcoming? Upcoming excitement. There's a lot of exciting things happening. You know, just Nabs, which is the handmade show. I'm excited to see what sexy steel and titanium bikes come out uh other than that you know my work at bike law where we just partnered with usa cycling which doesn't really matter to most people but if you ride a bike you should pay attention we are rolling out the bike law defense league which is our pro bono work to help defend cyclists so if you're a cyclist you know give a give a like to bike law on facebook and follow us 
we're doing a lot of good work and I'm proud to be part of that company and we're rolling out some very interesting campaigns that I think anyone that rides a bike should be interested in. Awesome. We'll link that up. Arlie, I really appreciate your time today. Um, after following you for several years um, with a blog that has the, the word girl and bike in it, uh, it's a pleasure to finally get to speak with you and get a little bit of FaceTime. And uh, I'm excited to see how things move forward and, and like what you're doing next. Stay tuned. And if you come out here to Portland, make sure that you give me a ping so we can go for a ride someplace. That sounds beautiful. I love that we both have grown up, you know, in this blogging bike girl world, you know, and we have higher expectations for the cycling industry than maybe 10 years ago. Yeah, it's um, it's a beautiful thing to witness that evolution. There's still quite a long way to go, but I feel the groundswell that we've had is is really like picking up now. So it's going to be cool to watch the community develop. I agree. Sweet. I am going to talk to you soon. Thanks so much for your time. Yeah, thank you. Take care. Big thanks to Arlie Jenkins for hanging out and sharing the bike love with us. Make sure you connect with her on Insta and all over social at Co. Friends, you know I believe in the transformative power of the bike in our personal lives, our communities, and the world at large. I'd be super grateful if you'd leave a rating or review in iTunes, Stitcher, or via whatever method you listen. It helps more gals find the show, and I believe the more stories we share, the more women who ride, we make this world, both our internal and external worlds, better with every revolution. So ratings and reviews help with that. Of course, nothing is better than a personal referral. It'd be super rad if you would share the show with even just one woman who you think might dig it. As always, friends, I appreciate your time and your attention. Remember, life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage. Keep moving forward, and until next time, I hope you enjoy the ride. Spikes, 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 spikes.